Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, race fans, to what is now the ninth episode of the podcast. I'm Kevin Olson, your host, along with my co-host, Bill Mahaffey. How are we doing today, Bill? I am doing quite swell, Kevin. How are you doing, sir? Hey, any day that we I get to talk to you on the podcast is a good day, my friend. Yeah, it's a great day. Great day indeed, man. Yeah. You know, I just love talking canoe racing, so uh, anytime, anytime I get a chance to do it, I'm all for it. So I'm gonna have to ask you to stay at least six feet off of my wake, though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we're we're uh, social distance far enough. I think this podcast is 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 totally uh totally compliant. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> so um so. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this episode uh, later, like you know, because people are gonna binge our show, Bill, you know, when when it when we really hit the big time, um, we are currently in you know coronavirus uh, time frame, um, and we're gonna be talking about it today on the show just because we have to, um, and that's kind of uh, you know today we're gonna be kind of recapping current uh race cancellations and the current state of canoe racing um with the pandemic and then uh we're also going to be uh turning around though and talking about some ways that we can still stay competitive in this environment and we have sean brabant is that I, I, I uh, probably Bra- Bra- this. Braybot. Yeah, it's all Braybot. good. Um... Okay. <laughs> so uh, I should have asked before, but um, so we have him on as a guest, and he's going to be um, giving us some of the updates uh, with uh, from uh, Michigan Canoe Racing Association and his up because uh, he is a race promoter, so his upcoming races and everything also. Yeah, so, yeah, but before we go too far into that, I, I yeah. hear you may have a fancy new boat. Like, oh, yeah, not, to, not yeah. to give up the secret here, but yeah, yeah. tell me about it. So, um, I was actually just on the, the phone with Gene yesterday about this. He sends me a picture of uh, orange Kevlar carbon fiber weave, and he's like, you want a boat in this? <laughs> and so, uh, so I called him up. I'm like, you think you can make a boat in this? And he's like, yeah. And then I was like, but can you make it light and stiff? And he's like, yeah. He goes, we, you know, he's like, we change different things on the inside of the boat and that's what will stiffen it up and how we lay it up from the inside will is where we'll get the stiffness from it. And it's the same weight cloth as he normally uses for his carbon, just his straight carbon cloth. So he's he said that it should, you know, it might have a little bit of uh, different um, properties, but really from he can stiffen it up enough and keep it light, it should should be the same weight that it would normally be and just as stiff. So um, looking forward to that. That's going to be on his new design. He says he likes to bring a lot of new things out at once. And this is kind of one of the things that he's going to be trying with it. 
Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous, man, because before the canoe racing world and the, the performance canoe world was you can have any color canoe you want as long as it's black or maybe yellow. Right. Yeah. That was it. Those were the only well, two options. So these uh, hybrid weaves of the carbon Kevlar um, could, could be a game changer, could be a, just a little bit of a eye appeal um, for those of us that maybe aren't so concerned with anything other than, hey, I like yeah. my neon. Well, I could tell you he's also uh, making me a sprint paddle for the marathon that will be in that orange and black weave um, because, you know, it is going to be a little bit more. I actually think that it's probably going to be smarter for the longevity of a boat, too, because the Kevlar is going to be make it a little more resilient than uh, just pure carbon. So, um so it'll be interesting, but yeah, so you should be seeing orange paddle out there too. Yeah, it'll be so. pretty cool. I had a really good conversation with a, uh, a, a boat builder, boat design guy one time, and he was of the mindset that outside of repairability, which I don't know if you've ever tried to repair Kevlar, Kevlar tends to like fuzz uh, oh, when, yeah. when you try to repair it. Outside of that, Kevlar would probably be the ideal material for performance watercraft. So yeah, there, there could be something here. So yeah, the th- um, I do know that like I mean I mean carbon really does degrade in the UV light, but too. But I I, I feel like Kevlar just gets racked. Um, and maybe yeah. it's just because you see it's so noticeably seen in the discoloration of it, but um. I really think that, you know, because I remember that was one of my 70s. My dad let his, um, uh, it was a Jensen, I couldn't tell you the model, but it was a it was a, a 4x32 um, cruiser that he had. And uh, he let it sit outside, upside down, and it just deteriorated. And we had a horrible time because it sunk. The middle of the boat sunk down, so it had reverse arcing. So, like, the middle of the boat sat up higher than the bow and the stern. So Yeah, it was it, it was hogged? Yeah. So, you, you couldn't turn the thing, you know. It all yeah. wanted to do was go straight. And that's not the boat you want in the 70s. <laughs> so. Yeah, good, good luck getting that thing out of the swamp. Uh, right? <laughs> Yeah. And that's where, like, oh, it was so frustrating. We'd be with someone, and then we'd go around to turn, and then they'd pull right away from us because we had to work so hard to turn it. And then we'd pull back up to them, and by that time, we were at the next corner, and they'd pull away from us. It was <laughs> the whole day. Oh, that was a long day. But, so hey, spe- speaking of the seventy man, what disappointing news, yeah. right? Like, I understand the decision, but the General Clinton is officially canceled. Yeah, yeah. This is this one uh, hits me hits me hard because this is this is my race and and this year is going to be my year too. Hopefully, uh, I've been uh, training hard. So um, yeah, so it's one of the one of the many races that have uh, been canceled so far. Um, Bill, I mean, uh, you guys don't have that many that have canceled over in your side, your neck of the woods. You know, the only thing that we've lost is the Super Bowl of canoe racing, the Klondike. Uh, <laughs> we, we have our Super Bowl first, and there's no points involved, but yeah. it, it's a really fun friendly in Oscoda. There's a lot of bragging rights on the line. Uh, it's a marathon fundraiser. 
And that's the only one that we've lost to this point, you know, so far. Uh, we, we've got one in May. It, it sounds like I'm hearing, if I'm hearing correctly, the battle on the Boardman may be dead in the water. Um, but everything else is real live. And uh, our guests that we're going to have on later will be able to talk a little more about that. Um, but yeah, what you guys out east, they're, they're falling like flies. Canton is, Canton is down, yeah. running with Charles, yeah. you know, the river rat race. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like we have like, uh, in New York and, and New England, we have a very strong, like early race season schedule. Um, probably because it's mostly like, uh, you know, like you guys have like, you know, spikes and, you know, curly, you know, leading up to the marathon, which are really, really strong races. And, you know, you guys got a really strong summer, you know, schedule. Um, our schedule is really spring heavy. So like, you know, the first one in Massachusetts, which is the rat race. I mean, the thing that that race has over 300 boats in it and it's only a six mile race. And do you have to have a special boat for it? And, uh, so, you know, that's been canceled. Um, you know, Canton is the, is in my opinion, probably the most competitive C1 race out there. If not, you know, one of the top ones, that's one of the reasons why it's, uh, international championships. And, uh, that was canceled. Um, and, uh, just our spring race on the Susquehanna is canceled. Um, so yeah, so, but that's just kind of the, you know, just kind of how it goes right now. So, um, right now there are, um, races that are on the bubble, um, Ed Wessels, which is in the middle of May, um, which is normally a, a warm up for the 70 is, uh, that's, they're still trying to hold it. If there's not a stay, you know, like a shelter in place order, um, during that race, they are going to hold it and, uh, I, they don't have much logistical, um, to do with that race. So, um, that can probably be decided up till the week before. Um, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to do. So, yeah. So, so our next race on the schedule would be the, the, the classic, the Ross common canoe classic. Um, and, and we're actually going to have, Braybont on here uh, as our guest here in a few minutes. Um, it'll be interesting. There's There's been talk of some different alternatives to the race. With a little luck, we're looking at, you know, May at that point. We should know a little more. Yeah, I think this one's got a chance. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Hey, what yep. are you doing with the website? Uh, we got some, some virtual races or something too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um so what I did when, when this all started going, going down, I started spitballing what we could do at Canoe Race World to be um, trying to be ahead of this and to keep um, competitive juices flowing throughout, this, throughout our sport. So I came up with an idea of basically um, a points series of races um, that can be done at any time throughout the year. And so it's basically a digital format race. So how it goes is over the course of the year, I'm going to be adding more and more courses. Um, And if you guys want to add a course, you just need to let me know. And it's kind of got to meet some criteria um, based on how the, you know, how I want to do this. So basically 
Um, like we have a lot of rivers that really will be higher waters during the spring and then low water during the summer. So it's hard to do race, you know, uh, your race times in the spring are going to be way faster than they would be in the, in the summer. So, um, I'm trying to find courses that the water does not change over the course of the year and courses that have either bridge abutments as turnarounds or no turnarounds that are loop courses. So like the first one that I did was my time trial course, which is Horseshoe Island up here in Syracuse. So basically it's on the canal system and it's an offshoot island of the canal and it's a six mile loop. So it's about an hour, hour race. Um, but you just have to go around the island. So it's really super easy. Um, and the, there's a bridge that's your start and your finish. And uh, so, you know, people, whenever they, they want to, they can go and, you know, uh, do, do, we're doing this on Strava. So you, you have to download Strava. It's free. You can put, do it on your phone. So you just have it on your phone running. And then you just have to complete the course. And then it will basically auto rank you. Um, and then we will... Uh, adjust those rankings based on because it is a C1 you know I'm doing this as a C1 thing too so um, I kind of have to police it a little bit to make sure that people aren't doing a C2 rate you know aren't trying to squeeze yeah, by yeah, like hey, uh, C2 hey, to... Talk, talking to you Wes <laughs> and Kyle on uh, Tuesday Night Race League anyways carry on yeah we, we had that last year so, um, you know, so, so you kind of have to, you know, do that. I mean, we all know what's kind of pretty much, you know, uh, typical, typically to be able to be done in a C1 comparatively to a C2. So, um, so it shouldn't be too, too hard to, to, uh, kind of make those, those calls. But, um, so yeah, so, and then basically however many courses you compete in, You'll get rank, you know. You'll get points, you know, basically ten through one point based on your ranking. If you're first, you get ten points. If you're tenth, you get one point, and then you add all up all of the courses that you did over the year, and whoever has the most points wins. And then we'll. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna do for uh, a reward, but we are gonna do something. So it'll basically depend on what we got left in the budget at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's left in the kitty? Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Hey, well, on that note, let's uh, let's get Sean in the mix here. Uh, for those of you that don't know our guest today, somehow we managed to line up a Sean for episode eight and a Sean for episode nine. The Sean for episode nine is Sean Brabant, uh, a man of many hats and also the vice president of the Michigan Canoe Racing Association. Um, he's also a race promoter, promoter uh, involved with the promotions of the Ross Common Canoe Classic and his own premier race, the Muskegon River Throwdown. Um, and, and he's a racer, obviously. Number 53, which on that note, I'm going to bring him in, and I'm also going to ask him, hey, Sean, have you gotten the blue numbers off of your canoe yet? I did get the blue number off of my canoe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I lodge a, since since I've got the vice president of the MCRA on here, can I lodge a formal complaint with you, or do I have to, like, write this down on a napkin or something, that yellow number should be allowed? I think what you got to do is you got to permit it and – you got to give it to us in writing. I think there's money involved that you don't get back and you might hear back from us. You might not, but 
the idea behind the number thing, I know it's it, people have been bugging me about it. We just want to clean up the MCRA. We're sick of the duct tape. We're sick of duplicated numbers. So we are going to start cracking down a little bit more on it this year. And I, one of example, I had a blue 53 on a lot of my boats and it has been taken off. Um, I'm right there with you. I like my neon yellow, but I will, I will have white fifties on all my canoes this year and be in compliance. So hold on, hold on here. So like, I, I, we don't do this in New York. So you guys are basically fining people for not having the regular, like, uh, MC, MCRA numbers on there. I, I don't think we'll get too, too carried away with fining. Mm -hmm. Basically we just don't want uh, you know, in the years past, you know, everything's volunteer. Timers have problems with duplicate numbers, no numbers, or the eight right. boats we'd have in a race that all have a duct taped X on their boat. So we're uh, just good. trying to clean it up with a with a regulated white number on all boats. You know, every member has gotcha. a number. So, you know, race with your number or make sure you're under your partner's number or have permission to race under a number. So that's gotcha. it. It, it makes sense. In Michigan, we have a, a variety of people come in and out, and it, like Sean was saying, the, the duct tape numbers are a trip, or the, the people that run somebody else's number, you get assigned a number for a reason, run that number. Right. Yeah. Yeah, see, in New York, we just, we get numbers at every race. So... And yeah, so in an example too, Kevin, if you came and you wanted to do the Ross Common Classic, um, obviously you're coming from out of state. You don't have a number assigned for you. We have numbers in place on like basically a wax paper um, yeah. sticker that will go on your boat that's not going to be real tacky, easily removed once you're done. So you will be able to take place in the race. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, Cool. With that, uh, why don't we uh, hear a little bit for, about uh, you, Sean? Uh, tell us a little bit um, how you got into canoe racing. Uh, well, I grew up uh, in Roscommon, just south of Grayling, and every last weekend of July, my dad would take me up to Grayling. We'd always watch the start of the Asable. Um, that tr spilled over into you know going to high school, following the race further and further every summer. Uh, there used to be a huge aluminum um race in Roscommon that was part of the Roscommon Classic years ago uh, a lot of the neighborhood buddies of mine we always did that every year too and it kind of grew from there until one day in college I talked to my roommate uh, who was also from the local area up north to uh buying a uh, a gillies from a canoe racer and we did the, our first 70 in 2013 and I did my first marathon with another Higgins Lake Roscommon guy uh, that same year, and it's hasn't slowed down since. Nice, nice. You, uh, I, I think that means that you should do the seventy in the aluminum class then. Yeah, that's <laughs> how you got started. Maybe I'll try talking uh, my better half, Crystal, and she loves the aluminum canoes. Maybe I can trick her into that one year. That's, that's how my dad got started. And hey, actually, my dad. So on this, I don't know if you guys know of this. So have you guys ever heard of super aluminums? I don't know. Yeah, no, I've never. Nope. So back in the 80s, they came out with um, a class of uh, canoe called a super aluminum. So basically, it's 
uh, hybrid, they're aluminum-made canoes, but racing shells. So they call it, like, one of them's like a, I'm going to butcher this, it's like an Ohio, and then there's a beaver, a beaver boat. Actually, uh, Ben Schlimmer just bought a, a beaver boat off of Bob Wissey. Um and uh, that's and my dad has I think my dad I think it's an Ohio cruiser they call them so they're basically just like sheet aluminum you know formed over into the form of a of a racing boat and uh, that was actually my dad's first um, seventy victory was in the super aluminum class with Mike Packard and that was Mike Packard's only win of the seventy little known facts. Yeah, I'd love to see one of those boats. It'd be, yeah, that'd be kind of intriguing, man. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the On the aluminum boat note, if you get a chance, uh, find the Australians on Facebook. They built a, a metal boat called Piece of Sheet, and it's a piece of sheet metal, like corrugated the whole nine yards, but it paddles, and you're, I'm looking at it going, man, that is that is some ingenuity, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah, boat. that boat. That boat's pretty slick. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So let's. Uh, I just had to throw that in there because I once I heard aluminum, I, I my my ears perked up a little bit because um, we we do have a good aluminum scene, especially at the seventy uh, over here. So um, let's move on. Let's uh, let's talk about. Give us some updates, Sean, on the, your upcoming races. So the Ross Common, and then uh, the Muskegon too. Uh, yeah, the Ross Common. I mean, the MCRA as a whole right now, and we've uh, the board does an awesome job from top with Lynn Whitty all the way down through just the members uh, and the chairmen's. You know, we communicate a lot. No one wants to lose any race, but we got issues at hand right now in the world that everyone's paying attention to. So the MCRA is basically just at a holding pattern, a wait and see. Let's see. Let's not cancel anything yet and see what we can do. Um, so right now I've been talking to my local DNR officer who, God love him, he gave me his personal cell phone number a few years ago. I think I call him more than I call a lot of my friends. Um, he says that there's just some certain criteria we got to you know, stick with, obviously, with this whole stay-at-home order that we got going in Michigan. Um, they're not, not allowing any permits, but they are holding them. And right now in Michigan, that is till April 30th. Um, and then we'll just see where we can go from there. We're, we're trying to come up with some plans to, um, maybe still have a race if the DNR in the state of Michigan will allow us. It might be an all day affair running, you know, four C2s at a time. So we're under the 10 people in a group max at a start. And running heats every 30 minutes and having two different staging areas so people can warm up without being around each other. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, my only idea is that I would just make it an all-day event, which the time is just on me and my board members who, you know, we love it anyway. So I'm sure they'd back me and do it with me. Yeah, that's, that's definitely interesting. We were uh... – so uh, I talk with Gene a lot, who's the um, promoter of Canton, and uh, for a while we were trying to talk of ways of, of keeping uh, Canton alive, and we had talked about, you know, going to, you know, invitation only, 
um, event and possibly a time trial event. So basically just do everyone in five minute intervals and then you're guaranteed to be pretty much spaced out um, right. over the course of the race. But just uh, with the with the gatherings pre and post race and everything like that, they just uh, it was just it was just too much for them to be able to figure out the best way to do it. But it sounds like you guys might be able to, to do it and that that'd be uh, that'd be great. Great news if it was able to happen. Yeah, I mean, this Bill knows that I'll try anything <laughs> type of guy. So yep. uh, I just want to make sure that I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. You know, we have some pretty aw- awesome things that Crystal has set up for the races that we put on here where we do have pre-registration and payment online. We'd make that mandatory for these races. That way there's no money exchanging, anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's multiple parking lots because I, I am the realist. I want people to be able to feel comfortable coming. I want people to feel comfortable warming up and not being on top of each other. I think the hardest thing to do, which may sound silly to some people, but you know, people want to come watch the race too. The hardest thing to do might be policing family members and fans and spectators at some of the watch points because we really can't control that very well if people want to come watch i mean who's gonna sit yeah. there um, they have to go home right exactly hey uh I, I gotta interject here man before we go any further like a big round of thank you to uh to crystal and the sky high paddle club you know inner inner gymnastics operation there a- along with you too sean you guys are both sponsors of the canoe race world website um h- how's the impact right now on the sponsors for these events uh it's it's touch and go some sponsorships are uh pretty lean right now um i my board is pretty fortunate with roscommon and the the race in houghton lake that we have had so much financial support in the last few years roscommon with bill taranjo being involved in that race for years and years We've built, it's almost like you don't even have to ask. The money's there waiting for you every year from the community for Roscommon. Um, you know, the, the prize purses might be a little lean this year just to give some businesses, you know, yeah. the understand. Right, rightfully so, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, the Muskegon River Throwdown, that one has been a little slow to take off this year, but the community in Houghton Lake is like up in arms. Uh you know, me and Austin Weiler and Kyle Stone has, have joked about the possibility of trying to host nationals in Houghton Lake. And um, that got wind to some of the members of the Houghton Lake Chamber of Commerce and the Rotary Club. And they are so gun ho behind that race now wanting um, nationals to come that I don't see that race slowing down any time soon either. Yeah, it, uh, you know, it. it it isn't you know we we talk about supporting the sport we talk about supporting the race we also need to make sure that we're supporting our sponsors because these are the people that do contribute and and give us a prize pool you know without the sponsors it's pretty tough to have a race oh absolutely i mean um you know i have to explain it to a lot of meetings and groups i go to when they're they have me in front of these community events you you know the the sponsorship money Yes, it's going to a prize pool. It's going to bring that talent there to the event. But, you know, you got 
you got to pay for insurance. You got to pay. You got to pay for advertisement. You got to pay for prizes for the kids, and you know, try to get more than just money in a pot to hand back out to people that show. Right. Yeah, and that's that's something like you know, I just want to kind of interject here with Canoe Race World. Um, people might not think that there's much going on, but we're always trying to bring new stuff to the community, and that in and of itself costs money to, you know, like, uh, you know, bring different things on. So like anytime that we get someone that helps, uh, support our mission, it helps us be able to provide more content for uh, you guys as listeners and, you know, people that check out the website and everything like that. So, um, it's the same thing going, whereas in the, these race organizers, they, you know, uh, this, the, the people that sponsor them, they're helping them do get all the logistical stuff done too, that you don't see behind the scenes. Like you said, like the insurance and everything like that, you know, uh, things, things cost money to, to, in this world to get done. You know, it's not just magical things don't just happen out of thin air. Very true. So, um, so yeah, so we're very we're very thankful for for your support, Sean, and uh, we we will do everything in our in our uh, um, our power to help uh, help promote you in kind. Awesome, Ab- absolutely. Hey, uh, what what's going on on Tuesday nights now? I I'm guilty. I haven't been on the water in a few weeks. Everybody's like, oh, he's taking the quarantine serious. Well, I am, but truth be told, I broke my Volkswagen. And I just haven't fixed the thing yet. <laughs> the truth comes out finally. Where is the <laughs> bandage? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's been a frustrating process because I'm like trying to adhere to like if it's not mandatory, don't do it. But I'm like, man, I'd really like to go up to Moore's Napa and just buy what I need to fix this thing. <laughs> right. Uh, Tuesday night race league still gonna happen. You know, it's something we started last year as a. Uh, the group of yahoos between Roscom and Grayling got going. One more night on the river. C1's mandatory. Pick a course. Uh, race format. There are no losers. You know, um, we got Sky High last year bought a paddle. Every time you showed up, um, it was it started the weekend after the 70 or the week after the 70. I apologize, and went all the way to the Tuesday of Spikes Week. Um, Every time you showed up on a Tuesday, your name went into um, the raffle, and uh, it ended up being uh, uh, Kevin from Wisconsin who won the paddle last year, and uh, it's been fun. I mean, people show up. It gives you an incentive to get out there and, you know, uh, train with a group, and it it had evidence behind it, too, as Bill will uh, probably back me up on that. You know, everyone that was doing the Tuesday Night Race League you could see it on paper every weekend at the C1 races. We improved on a week to week basis. We got, we got more competitive and we had a lot of fun doing it. I thought. Yeah. That, that, that core group on Tuesday nights, you could go down the C1 results list from the following week and all little envelopes with money in them. That, that was the people that participated on Tuesday nights. Absolutely. I mean, Getting getting out in the river and training is one thing, but to train at a high intensity race format with other boats, 
riding wakes, battling waves, it speaks for itself. You're going to improve over the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll come back to that that thought in a few minutes. But yeah, I I agree totally. Um, so what are what are we doing with Tuesday Night Race League now? So like I mentioned, the point was to get a group, and I know we kind of we had some jealous parties in Michigan. You know, the Grand Rapids group, the Traverse City group, some other paddlers on the outskirts that couldn't just pack up on Tuesday afternoon and get to Grayling, Ross Common, or Houghton Lake to participate um, and get their name for a paddle. But that was the point, that we had that group. Um, Once all this started and we can't meet as a group, I opened it up with the paddle still on the line um, and got a lot more interest of people, you know, up north, Traverse City, Grand Rapids, even out-of-staters that wanted to be involved and – so talking with the sponsor this year for the paddle, um, he said, you know, that, you know, this is kind of the thing I agreed to, which I understood. And, and, uh, so we kind of went a different route. I've been getting some other local businesses involved and, uh, you know, too rare. Uh, I argued with the owner, Jesse, for a little bit. Today <laughs> I wanted to pay for the gift card, but she donated a $20 gift card and a, uh, too rare sticker um sky high gymnastic center that gave uh two gift cards basically their free c1 admission to ross common and another free admission to muskegon river throwdown c1 um nesters is going to give away a couple oil changes and service and uh, i'm going to get with a couple other like i'm going to go to spikes up in grayling i'm trying to include the the businesses you see on t-shirts in the mcra and open it up uh, statewide and hopefully that will fuel you know not to put the heat on kevin but you know kevin get something similar in new york and something something for paddlers to get out on tuesday night and do something you know the world is so gloom and dull right now and people seem to forget that you know we want everyone to stay safe but you can go outside and get some exercise and burn off some steam and have a little fun doing it yeah, not, not only can you, it's good for you to go do this right now. Right. Yeah. Like Kevin said earlier with the virtual races, I am going to be a stickler. It has to be on Strava. I need a screenshot or, or your name won't go into the drawing, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those things. I, the Strava is like, it's free. I, I don't see, you know, we all have a phone now. It should be able to be done. I know... Uh, this is kind of my thing of pushing our sport into the future and every single triathlete is on Strava. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just the way of the world nowadays. So um, I, I don't think that that should be an issue. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I know people don't want to, you know, put their phone at risk, but I'll I'll put my hand up in the air and say I went swimming today by accident with a dry bag in my C1 when me and Jay Sharp were out exploring new waterways and my phone survived. So yeah, hey, what, possible. What what do you think of that stretch? I've paddled that before. It's pretty beautiful, isn't it? Oh man, it was a riot. The only thing I was disappointed with, and me and Jay were Jay Sharp were joking about it, was that uh, a couple other Michigan paddlers did the same stretch, but they started way up north of Frederick in the in the super upper Osaba waters and they did the same stretch and we were bummed. We didn't go with them, but yeah, it was awesome. You know, we did the South branch of the Osaba the other day from Ross common to main branch. It sounds like we're going to 
do the North Branch maybe Friday. So, you know, why not? We got some free time and might as well stay on the water. Yeah, yeah. exactly. With with the Clinton canceled, like how does training change as we're building towards a, a assuming we're building towards a late July peak versus a Memorial Weekend peak? John? Uh, I mean, my, you know, I was disappointed, sad even. You know, you, you look forward to going out to New York. Every paddler in Michigan does that has any interest in living in this sport. You know, you got to cancel your Airbnb. You got to, I'm heck, I might have to volunteer to work now that week. And I don't know. I always have it off because I go to the 70. But um, you get over it. You know, what Austin Weiler, my partner for the 70, said it the best. You know, it, you know, it is what it is. We, you just keep training. You know, we got, we got other races. We got other things to look for, forward to. So, you know, you can be bummed out all you want. But, you know, we all are in this because we love paddling. So you might not go as hard for the next couple of weeks. Enjoy it. Do some different water you've never done before. And, uh, yeah. you know, just get out there and keep paddling. Yeah. From uh, from my perspective, and uh, it's it kind of simplifies it simplifies things, but it doesn't. So like for me, I always use when whenever I've done the the marathon, I've used the seventy as weird as it sounds as a warm a tune up race for the marathon, and uh, because when you're looking at your fitness at a greater picture, like your three month window is your window of fitness. So like you can only be as good as the work that you put in for the previous three months. Now where it gets more compounded is that where you start that beginning of that three months affects how, how good you can get at the end of that three months. So you can't just do all, you know, straight train 12 weeks and expect to be to win the marathon so um the 70 is right kind of smack in the dab of that three-month window so it's a you know around an eight to nine hour effort um where so that's roughly about a half of a distance you know half time wise comparatively to the marathon so it's always it's kind of in for people that don't think that it has carryover I'd, I'd strongly disagree and, and think that it does have carryover. But because the Clinton is an A race, in most people's opinion, you are trying to peak for that. For that. So you, in that, and thus, you're looking at three months prior to the 70 to peak. And then another, now you're trying to extend into a second peak for the marathon. And a third peak if you're doing the you class know, C, uh, the class yeah. C too. So it simplifies it that you're only peaking once. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you have, that you like totally, you know, take your foot off the gas of training now. Because your training now will lay, you know, like... If, if I, I mean, it's hard to quantify this, but if you have, well, we can quantify it in hours. If you go into May with, you know, 50 hours, let's say, of training uh, in the early spring, 
you're going to be more ready to take on the higher loads that will be demanded of you to peak for the marathon as opposed to coming in with only 15 to 20 hours at in into May if that makes sense because you can only build so much without um without creating too much of uh, a hole for yourself that you can't dig yourself out of um recovery wise so like you can try to throw in a whole stink load of volume but then you're going to run yourself ragged and you're not going to recover from it yeah I, I agree with you yeah yeah that that's what's really going to make it interesting is we've we've taken that late may peak out of the game um for for the triple crown circuit we really do look at three peaks. We we look at a peak Memorial Day. We look at a peak again the end of July. And then we look to peak a third time Labor Day. Um, and there's a ton of variables in play. We, we could actually see some people be a little faster, I think, end of July. Assuming they train because they're not going to have quite as much fatigue um trying yeah. to to carry over yeah and that's where it'll be interesting it'll be inter- interesting to see the people that take this as an opportunity to peak better or the people that miss the opportunity so i actually think that you can you might see uh uh like both sides of it i think you'll see people that uh use the 70 as uh, way to get them in shape for the summer and then they, they're going to kind of be a little lost without having it and so then they're not going to reach their full potential and then I think you're going to see another uh, round of people that are um, going to use this as a, as a way so they can build and be super fresh you know be more fresh than they normally would because they do a really good job at peaking for the 70 you hit recover a little bit and then you try to repeat, you know, you know, repeat. And, uh, whereas, and they won't have to do that, but they know how to, to back their training off. So it's a, it's a progression, um, to get them. So they, they really only hit their peak once. Yeah. I, I'm a, uh, I'm a premature peaker. Um, <laughs> and normally I come into late July and I'm like, oh man, I feel like a whip dog. Um, but it's going to be very curious for me because I'm a, a creature of habit. Um, and I love to race. I love to use races as training. Uh, I think racing is the best training that you can do. Um, if we lose some of these spring races, the the races that are on the bubble for you guys, the Ed Wessels, for us, the Ross Common Classic, um, Battle of the Boardman, you know, stuff of that nature. If it carries into June, then that could have a really disruptive effect on my training per se, because that that's normally when I'm peaked. But I'd like to use that this year as hard training. Um, yeah. What do you guys think as far as the the impact on the races and and losing the early spring races? I, I mean, it it goes in with the seventy. You know, I've always looked at the seventy as I want a hundred hours of training. And those two races in the Michigan circuit before then really set a bar to, you know, let you know where you stand in the field that's going out east. And 
you know, I, I never thought of going to the 70 as training. I always went to the 70. I want to feel good at the end and set up my June into July, but it's going to be different. I think you're really going to see those people that know what they have to do, like Kevin and you are talking about, and those people that are going to kind of miss the boat and fall off. And, you know, if we do get to the end of July, not be where they're supposed to be at might be a big, uh, a big line there of competition in some respect. Yeah, I um, I I don't think I, honestly, Bill, I don't think that the racing is gonna have that big of a. It might have a a, a big impact on your training personally, um, but like the thing is, is racing is great and it will make you fast, but it's also very um, uh, physiologically. Um, taxing to race if you're really racing like I don't know about you but like I race at 170 beats yeah, or beats higher per minute. Minute. yeah, yeah. Right. for for a two-hour race and uh, you know that's that takes that takes a toll on your body so like it might be bad for people that you know race that hard actually not having racing might benefit them because then especially for the, the marathon because the marathon is such a long race that you know we're, being able to work at that threshold isn't as important as being able to work at your aerobic threshold because you're not you're working above you know your aerobic threshold during these hard races yeah so, it's it, it, very interesting and that point there uh, there was a discussion to post on on social media on facebook um, you know, hey, what's your favorite canoe race? Something of that nature. And uh, USCA president Rebecca Barton Davis uh, commented classic and people were like, why, why, why? And I, I knew what she was going to post before she posted it. Um, the the Asable is great. The promoters are great. It's a fantastic race. But you really just have to be able to go a long time. I mean, there's more to it than that in order to win the race, obviously. But the classique is more of a sprint each day. It's a hard, hard race. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's, so, so I think you'll, you know, you might not be able to race better for shorter races this year with the reduction of races, but for physiologically what it'll allow you to do at like something like the marathon, it, um, could have a positive, I mean, it could or could not. I mean, if you're, if you're taking these races and then you're taking the appropriate amount of rest time to recover from them before you get heavy back into training and you're not beating continually beating yourself up, um, then you're right. They can totally take, you can totally use them as great training and more, I think the, the better benefit of it is uh, tactical and um, uh, hand, boat handling and all of the nuances of canoe racing. You'll get better and better and better and better at, which you can't do at training typically right. unless you have your Tuesday night you know, race league. And that's, probably, and that's, in my opinion, probably why you guys uh, saw so much benefit from that, uh, that race series. Um, in the past is because you're, 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 you're increasing all the nuances of canoe racing, um, not just physiologically, but, um, you know, not talking Watts and, 
you know, and pure, pure speed, you know, you're talking all the other nuances of racing. But, so, uh, so yeah, so that, I, I think that, you know, you might, you, you know, it'll have different effects for different people. It depends on how they structure their training is the long yeah. and short of it. Welcome to uncharted waters. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to uncharted waters. Well, Hey Sean, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Uh, thank you for being a sponsor uh, of canoe race world. Um, thank you to, uh, your soon to be bride crystal. Um, hopefully you guys are doing great in this pandemic speaking of which how are you guys doing right now like on a personal level you guys doing good doing good haven't really slowed down i actually got another job because i can't work my normal job so i've been keeping pretty busy yeah down there working with steven that's that's awesome man yep eh, it's roped me back in for another ride (laughs) right on well you got anything else kevin no, I think I think that's that does it for me. I, I, I've talked enough today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, guys, hey, I, I appreciate you having me on the show, and I, I hope to see you on the river here soon. Yeah, for sure. Good Sean. deal. Good deal. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, guys, have a great little quarantine time, and and hope to see you guys on the water soon. Yeah, hope to see you guys on the water soon. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.